millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Roll, roll in the river of time. You've healed me in too many days. No regrets, no confusion. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. I am cult survivor, cult expert, Sadie Carpenter, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host. My name is Gabriel Hacohen, and if you're wondering why Sadie is uh, doing the whole intro spiel today, is because you can hear from my voice. My voice is not in excellent shape today, but oh, the things that I go through to make this wonderful content for you people. Um, <laughs> And I do love it. I mean, also because I wanted to, Gavi. That's true. That's that's true. You know, we do love variety. Variety is the spice of life. Um, today, we're going to have a fun episode. That sounds like something from the, the infamous hooker book. I don't know. I feel like the hooker book is very anti-variety. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to disagree. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I mean, if you're variety... What are we talking about today? Um, so today's episode... Um, well, you, you know, lately we've been hearing a lot about woke this, woke that, woke everything, and the wokes are coming to get you, and the wokes are trying to indoctrinate your children, and, and all, all of that stuff. Um, and every time I hear that, I can't help but laugh, because I think it's just, it, it, the, the, the people who say that sort of thing, they're, they always just sound so ridiculous to me. But one of the things that we noticed was when, um, when we were having our episode with Jen a couple weeks ago. Uh, like a month ago. I don't know when that was. Uh, she and, and, and Sadie and, and I noted that oftentimes a lot of these famous fundies would have a take that was like accidentally woke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like a, a so bad it's accidentally good kind of take. Yeah, like very, very much like a, a, a horseshoe theory kind of thing. And then sometimes they like become aware, oh wait, that is kind of woke of me to say, and then they like catch themselves and they'd be like, not like, 
this or not like that or the other thing but then they, they you know but sometimes they don't they just have unironically like uh uh good takes or like it, it, I, it, I don't know there's a lot of permutations in the way that this kind of plays out um so that's what our so we thought that would be a fun topic for today's episode yeah we're gonna make fun of uh i think we got some girl defined in here we got paul and morgan laurie alexander we have uh susanna anderson um of all people with the takes uh, uh but that's going to be what we're going to be talking about today um but before we get into that the leaving eden podcast is the podcast about my bff and co-host sadie carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental baptist cult the cult in which she was raised we talk about this cult we talk about other cults we talk about religion we talk about fundamentalism we talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole and it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show, there are numerous things that you can do to support us. Um, number one thing that you can do is you can join our Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. We have some fun stuff coming out of, of that's going to be Patreon exclusive coming soon. Sadie, do you want to tell the people what those are going to be? Yeah, so I'm writing a my very first solo episode of this podcast. Wow. Uh, I'm not going to tell you exactly what the topic is yet, but it is a um, actually a scammer rather than a cult. But this particular scammer used some very textbook cult methods of coercion on the people that they scammed. So I'm get, I've been doing background research on that, and that will come out on Patreon as soon as I have it all written and recorded. We are also doing a Patreon exclusive soon on um, the astrology of some fav famous fundies, and we're really looking forward to getting that one. So that's going to be really fun. We're going to do astrology of famous fundies. I also have a book that is uh, like a, an astrology sex book. Uh, which I think would be very funny to to go into because it has like the the couple pairings to tell you whether or not uh, uh, two signs together is a good couple or a bad couple. Ooh. So uh, maybe we should go in there and look at like Jim Bob and Michelle. Um, oh, that would be. <laughs> yeah, or, or Josh and Anna. Uh, Jesus Christ! Ugh. Yikes. Um, oh, anyway. <laughs> so speaking of Patreon, are you ready to go through and thank the patrons? Uh, yeah, just one minute. I just need to say that the Patreon is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. You can also join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. You can join our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. Sadie, do you want to do the Patreon, uh, the, 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 the <laughs> patron thanking today? My voice is kind of messed up. Um, and when I, when I swallow, it feels like I'm drinking hot lava, but oh. yeah, you, 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 we've all been there. So first, I want to thank our I Gave It All tier patrons. They are Kathleen Moncrief and Melissa Mosley. Thank you so much to Kathleen and Melissa. I know we had a little exclusive clip come out on the I Gave It All tier a couple weeks ago, and there should be a new one coming before long. Our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons are Alex Todd, Alicia Guild, Allie Allen, Anisha Patel, Brittany Brooke Tully, Krissa Crystal Patterson, Dear Ethan Hansen, the musical, Eleanor Donahue, Emery Fairlosser, Hannah Ross, 
Hope Norum, Horton Hears a Shane. I'm just here to send Sadie True Crime Podcast suggestions, a.k.a. Meg, Janine Callen, Jen Kaharski, Jessica Tambo, Jonna, Kater Wee, Kristen Marie, Lauren Vanderwall, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Lorena Watson, MC Crunchwrap, hashtag the boy who cried sauce. Love it. Michaela Upright, Madeline Cusick, Marlena Stuve, Mary Williams, Mary Martin, Megan Arndt, Rob the Methodist, Sarah Reese, Scooby Sleuth, Stephanie Johnson, Susie, Tara McNamara, Tiffany Enderby, Walnut, Son of Walnut, and Wes the Cowboy. Thank you so much to all of our, all of our Patreons, um, supporters, all of y'all at whatever tier, but a special shout out and thank you to the I Gave It All tier and Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. All right. And with that, do you want to get into the TW for this episode, Sadie? I sure can do that. Go for it. So in general, we talk about a lot of potentially triggering topics on this show including but not limited to suicide and mental health, racism, misogyny, PTSD, PTSD symptoms, child abuse, mental, physical, and sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will mention at least a few of these topics, but we do try to avoid any graphic detail unless it's relevant to the story that we're telling. And we do our best to avoid any graphic detail about those topics or stories involving those topics unless that detail is relevant and necessary for the story that we're telling. We will also give you a heads up if we are going to go into detail that we would consider graphic so that people can skip ahead as needed. In this particular episode, we are talking about a lot of takes that are so bad that they were accidentally good, so there will definitely be mention of misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, racism, a lot of just very right-wing financial and political views, and a very brief mention of spanking. It won't go into great detail. Before we start picking apart these fundy takes, the other thing I really wanted to say is that we are using a term in this episode that comes directly from AAVE, which is African American Vernacular English which is a, a dialect of the English language. Because we're using a term that came from AAVE, I want to give credit for that right at the top of the show. I had recently come across the origins of the term woke on Twitter. So I did some further research to see if what I was saying on Twitter was accurate, and it turns out that the term woke actually first pops up in AAVE in the 1930s or earlier. And the first original meaning was being aware of racism around yourself and protecting yourself from it. By the 1960s, hippies were borrowing this term from AAVE, and it was being used more broadly to mean not only an awareness of racism, but also an awareness of other social justice issues around a person. That, this is really fascinating. Um, so... What you're saying is the idea of saying uh, uh, stay woke mm -hmm. means that you should make sure that you are metaphorically awake um, um, and, mm -hmm. uh, and aware of what is going on around you because there are threats all around you, specifically threats of, of violence due to racism. Right. And as time progressed, the term woke was still really prevalent in African-American vernacular English, but it grew in popularity among 
other groups of non-Black people as well. And the explosion of it that we see now, where it's just all over the internet being used by all sorts of different people, happened during the early years of the Black Lives Matter movement online. So a few years down the line from those early online uses during the earlier years of the Black Lives Matter movement, so 2014 to 2016, it gained the pejorative sense that we see people sometimes using it in now. So people will apply it to anybody who they perceive as further left than they are. They will, or they will use it to describe somebody who is engaging in social justice language and activity in a way that they perceive to be a performative or a bad faith way. And both of those pejorative usages are how we get things like the Stop Woke Act in Florida, which is a bill to limit discussions of racism in public schools. F*** you, Ron DeSantis. Yeah, Ron DeSantis, yeah. Um, when I first started hearing it used, um, I would describe it as, I mean, it was synonymous to saying saying that somebody was woke was synonymous to like almost like saying that somebody had been red-pilled but not like red-pilled in like the manosphere way because we know that like the the manosphere kind of like appropriated the term like the the red pill term to mean that literally the opposite of what it's actually meant to mean um mm -hmm. and but and like you know like awakened to the realities of their existence like in the matrix or like in plato's allegory of the cave is is how i would describe it being used when i first heard it being heard this term being thrown around right and that's closer to the original meaning than what some conservative commentator use it means when he uses that word online to describe a person or a group of people or whatever some people would go so far as to say that woke is a slur because of the continued mocking and dismissive way that it's used. And that is precisely why we are choosing to use th that word for this episode. Because I personally, I don't see it as a slur. It, it's kind of, I think it's impolite. <laughs> I don't think it's very nice to use that against somebody in a way that's meant to somehow demean them or hurt their feelings. But even though I don't see it as a slur, the people that we're talking about today do. So when we're making fun of them for accidentally going so far right that they ended up left, I think it's a term that makes perfect sense to use. However, because it's a term that gained mainstream usage after being appropriated or borrowed, depending on how you look at it, I would maybe lean toward appropriated, from AAVE, I wanted to provide context and credit for that before we just start calling everybody that word in this episode. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also good that we talk about the definition of this word. Um, and I'm glad that you've done that right at the beginning because I want to talk about something that happened recently. Maybe you heard about this. Maybe you didn't. Um, I know Sadie heard about it because we had a conversation about this earlier when we were planning this episode. But if you're listening to this, maybe you heard about this. Maybe you didn't hear about this. There's a, a woman named Bethany Mandel. Uh, she is the author of a book titled Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing the Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. That's the name of her book. The premise of this book is that radical left-wing ideologies are being targeted at children in order to reshape their values. So she recently went on uh, the uh, political news outlet, The Hill's 
online web series uh, uh, called Rising. Uh, she was talking about how few people in this country would self-identify as woke. She was saying few people, like whatever percent of people describe themselves as very liberal, and I would assume that even less people uh, would describe themselves as woke was pretty much what she said. The One of the hosts of the show, uh, a woman named Brianna Joy Gray, who is a, a lawyer, political commentator. She is the former press secretary for Bernie Sanders' uh, 2020 presidential campaign. Um, uh, Brianna Joy Gray asked uh, Bethany Mandel to define the word woke. Mandel kind of stumbled, uh, and she couldn't define it. And um, is like, well, I, I, I can't quite tell you what it means. I guess if I were going to pin it down to something, she says... Uh, it's the idea that we need to totally redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression and then said it's hard to describe in a 15 second soundbite is is basically what she said okay i have two things to say about this number one i'm anxious to hear (laughs) let's read the title of this book again stolen youth how radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation. That could have been a title about fundamentalism. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been about your your upbringing, man. That's like Yes, yeah, like uh the kids in the Jesus Camp documentary that could absolutely just be a book about that. So her title in itself is is accidentally woke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I found it really interesting, though, that that she said it's redoing society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. So what she's referring to is the idea of like, oh, well, if you are not a straight person, then you're more oppressed than straight people. Or if you're not a cis person, then you're more oppressed than cis people. And if you're a person of color, then you're more oppressed than people who are not people of color, white people. And then if you've got two or more of those intersecting identities, then you're yet more oppressed than peers who only have one of those intersecting identities. Like, that's what she's talking about with hierarchies of oppression. And I would argue that the the beliefs of wokeness are actually about undoing those hierarchies of oppression so that no one is more oppressed than others, actually. Yeah, (laughs) I'm... I mean, it's like the the way that they tend to portray it is they tend to portray it as very much like a toxic legalism that, that is is how I would almost describe it. I don't know. I think it's very interesting. And definitely there's like some people out there who are real like who you see kind of pushing that thing. But those people really seem to be like they're fringe and they don't really understand it all the way. You know what I'm saying? You've seen that. Sure. And yeah. also I feel like people who are very legalistic about progressive and social justice oriented ideas, I feel like it is usually easy to look at them and read their words or listen to them speak and pretty quickly recognize, oh, this is them trying to do a good thing. And they just have ideas on how to do a good thing that I really don't agree with. Or to look at them and say, and, and say, well, this person is just this, I don't know. I think, I feel like it's easy to see their heart to use a little bit of Christianese and to, to be able to either, oh, they agree with me. They just don't agree with the same methods for how to accomplish what we both want to accomplish. Or I feel like personally, this person is way off the deep end and we wouldn't agree on things. I have one more 
uh, scenario in which to put in into that uh, place where I've seen this. A lot of times, uh, Sadie, you didn't go to liberal arts school. I went to liberal arts school. I um, did so go to liberal arts oh, school. I went right. to Pensacola Christian <laughs> College. <laughs> no, I, I went to uh, 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 regular people liberal arts school, not fundy liberal arts school. Um, and in my experience, when people first start learning about these issues and the theory behind these issues, a lot of times they tend to apply this to everything, which, you know, to be fair, when you learn a new lens to look at the world through, it's very common for you to take that lens and, and just like say, I want to see how everything looks around. It, it looks through this and through that and through the other thing. And this has always existed, especially on college campuses. You know, going back years and years and years with the civil rights movement through the 1990s with like, you know, third wave feminism and stuff going on and through to the time when I was in college in in the the 2010s and through to now, that's always been a thing. I think the difference now is that people are on the Internet, people are on Twitter or Reddit or, or TikTok or whatever, and now you're getting people who have maybe moved who who have graduated and gone out of that space and who have seen oh well maybe in the real world things aren't as black as black and white as i'm learning about in this class when i have to learn all this theory about this thing and and learn how to apply that but then those people are coming back and interacting with people who are still in that early stage and where they are still in a very black and white thinking mentality Mm -hmm. of processing this new information that's new to them and so those people are all on the internet and 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 interacting with each other and interacting with people outside of that whereas normally i wouldn't be talking to a 21 year old about anything uh, because that's just not who's in my social circle and so i would not be dealing with somebody who doesn't have a nuanced view of xyz issue and so now people are seeing that and people are being like, whoa, what is with all of these crazy people? The, the world's gone mad. Somebody said that. Somebody said that, that everybody should have to use they, them pronouns and that gender should be completely abolished. Yeah, somebody said that on the Internet. I saw somebody say that on the Internet. And that means that, that you know, like. And that means that all college students think this way. And that means that somebody is going to come to my door and cut up my driver's license and give me a new one that has an X for a gender marker on it. And. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and you should have to apply to get your your whatever. I don't know. Right, I, right. Yeah, but th- so here's here's the thing though, Gavi. I I think that those I think that that those radical what we would call radical people are necessary. I think that if somebody has been raised with a very strict view of gender roles and their entire life and comp het and little to no exposure to the concept of trans people's existence. I think that that kind of college age or I've just learned about this thing and now I want to look through everything with this lens, radical feeling or radical learning, I think that's something that does turn out people with nuanced views five years down the road. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. Yeah, and when I say radical, I obviously don't mean hurting anyone or trying to infringe on anybody else's free will in any way. But I I think that that process of getting a new lens and now it's the only lens you want to look at the world through and your beliefs are kind of far out for a little bit, 
I think that's a useful and helpful process to breaking the systems of oppression that we have in the world. So I tend to have a lot of patience for people who are in that, <laughs> who are saying things on the internet like, nobody should have a gender and gender is completely fake and made up by society. It is. But nobody should be allowed to have a gender and, and all babies should be raised with they, them pronouns. And um, I think people who people who are saying things like that on the internet, I tend to have a lot of patience for because I see the seeds of somebody a few years from now who has a really nuanced view and knows what they believe. And I think that's great. Yeah. And I also think that like when we were talking about the manosphere, and I keep going back to this episode, but it's because I found it so well, fascinating. Well, you researched yeah. it forever. I literally spent four or five months researching this episode. But um, one of the things that we talked about, one of the things that I said was that I think that um, young people, I said teenagers, I think, but I, I think in general, young people should be allowed to make their mistakes in private. What you end up with is you end up with uh, then people like libs of TikTok, like who are going to find the people with these takes or just some i don't know some some uh, a queer person that they think is behaving poorly and then they just blast that all over the internet and say see this is what they want to do i saw that happen on twitter this week yeah it's pretty yeah up. there was a a person on before the we're recording this on march 29th and if you're a twitter user you know that this this week has been a bit nuts over there <laughs> I saw this thing on Twitter maybe about a week ago where a person had posted to TikTok and they said that they had dissociative identity disorder. One of their alters that fronts for them often is a hawk and the hawk uses it, he, they pronouns. What? And this, this is like... This is a thing that you see on TikTok. Um, people who have dissociative identity disorder or DID type symptoms are finding a lot of community over there. And I hope it just leads everybody to a place where they feel heard and, and feel like they're doing better in their lives. But that poor person's video got spread all over Twitter by like the libs of TikTok type accounts. And a lot of them would be captioned with like, this is the future that all trans people and trans allies want for America. So, and it just got blown out of proportion. And this is just some person who has, who is part of a very niche community. Just Yeah, and they certainly like looked very young. Uh, I wouldn't be able to tell with accuracy how old the person was, but my best guess would be 21. Dude, that's, I mean, that's f***ed up. That's like, I mean, you know. But like people in their early, early 20s, are trying to figure themselves out and understand the internal systems, DID or not, that make up a person. They're they're literally just trying to figure out who they are and where they belong in the world. Yeah, but anyway, back to to Bethany and and her stolen news oh, yeah. book. Yeah, I I was thinking and the definition of woke. Yeah, um, you know how Tom Brady once said, "If you're explaining, you're losing." Yeah. Well, to Bethany's credit, she does almost zero explaining. So, <laughs> do you think there's any explaining in her book? I don't know. That's the, I don't really want to read it because no, like, I don't. Uh, no, I had like the the millisecond thought of oh, we could review this for the podcast, and then I thought no. Yeah, then I'd have to Let's buy not. it on Audible, and I don't want to fucking do that. I had to listen to Ginger's book. I don't want to listen to Ginger's book. Also, I've been listening to the audiobook of the book that we're going to do on the Shit she read podcast coming soon. So that's going to be fun. I just have too many books 
and my and I have friends that keep recommending me books and stuff, and so I have to read all those first. I don't want to read some <laughs> hatred book that's you know just like ugh. anyway. Um, Sadie recently mentioned the the Stop Woke Act last year. Uh, in a court case uh, surrounding the aforementioned uh, Stop Woke Act, a lawyer for Florida Governor Ron DeFascist was asked by a judge to define woke. And the response that he came up with is, uh, and this is a direct quote, the belief that there are systemic injustices in American society and the need to address them, which is undisputably true. Like I, I don't think that anybody could seriously believe that the justice system in this country operates fairly and treats every single person exactly the same no matter what their age or their sex or their ethnicity or their religion or how well connected they are right and by that definition i guess like if that's your definition of woke i guess i would be considered woke because that's a pretty wide net but i'm pretty sure that most people in the country who believe that and and most people i think most people do believe that but I'm pretty sure that most people in the country who believe that wouldn't go around saying, yes. look, look at me, I'm so woke. Like, I don't think I've ever used that term to refer to myself before in my life. Yeah. It, it, well, it's just like um, people who would be referred to by others as social justice warriors don't typically describe themselves that way unless it's in an ironic sense. Yeah, the only time you see that is like video game players and the, the SJWs are trying to ruin video games. Well, which is why it bugs me that people try to use both of those terms, but especially woke as an insult, because let's use DeSantis's own definition, the belief that there are systemic injustices in American society and the need to address them. I truly believe by that definition, you'd be including at least over half of americans probably two-thirds honestly yeah let's be yeah but let's be really really conservative on this estimate let's say 51 percent of americans even even by that his own definition of what wokeness is and maybe i'm looking at this through rose-colored glasses maybe i'm just wrong but i truly believe that half or more of americans would agree to the fact that there are systemic injustices in American society and we ought to do something about it. I'm kind of seeing myself as, um, you know, when when Abraham argued with God or bargained with God and said, well, if there are a hundred righteous people in the city, will you spare it? Okay, well, if there are 50 righteous, will you spare it? Like haggled God down for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's That's how I see myself saying, okay, but what if it was 51%? I just, I know plenty of conservative people, centrist people, libertarian people, lots of people who identify politically different from me, who are a lot more traditional than I am, but they firmly believe that there are systemic injustices and they ought to be addressed. And when you paint everyone who thinks that there are systemic injustices that should be addressed as woke and make woke the enemy that is an example of cult-like thinking that is us versus them mentality and of course it leads directly into information control in the form of banning books well you know it's kind of like back back in middle school when you know gay would get thrown around as an insult like if somebody called me Mm -hmm. 
gay is an insult now. If somebody walked to me and be like, oh, man, you're gay. I'd be like, what, like, what is this, 2006? You're making yourself look like a dipshit. F*** off. Like, that would be my... Th like, Sadie, I'm sure you've been called woke on the internet by somebody. Uh, trying to... Yeah, insult, like, probably. If, some, <laughs> I'm sure. if somebody calls you woke as an insult, what do you take that to mean? What do you think they're trying to say about you? So, the denotation, the literal meaning of what they are saying is your beliefs are further left than mine and i hate them okay fair the connotation though i think is more important because the connotation seems to be when someone calls a person woke as an insult the connotation seems to be you're trying to force me to accept your beliefs and think exactly like you which is what i was referencing with this being a harmful outcome of people using the term as an insult because on one hand Yes, I would like for everyone to agree with me that racism is a major problem in our in our society. Police brutality is a real and horrible daily problem, and that immediate action to fix those problems is absolutely necessary. But on the other hand, I don't want to force everyone to believe the same as me. I want everyone to come to that same basic logical conclusion. And I certainly don't expect everyone's ideas about what the solution should be to line up with mine perfectly. What I want is simply for us all to agree that to agree that it is a real problem and it has to be dealt with seriously and immediately. See, I think that's a fairly reasonable take. I, I think like more I, more than half of the people in this country would agree with that. I think. Yes, I. You haven't said I anything am... loony or off the wall or that we should abolish gender and that everybody should be forced no. to wear unisex jumpsuits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, saying? I lis listen. <laughs> I am as as is well known in our podcast canon. I am extremely short waisted, so I have a very long legs in proportion to a very short torso. I do not want everybody to wear unisex jumpsuits simply because I would never find clothing that fits properly again. Jumps, they're bringing disco back, man. That's what's going on. <laughs> um, that's what the deal. With. But seriously. <laughs> It, it's us versus them thinking. It makes somebody who thinks differently than you, even slightly differently than you, the enemy. And that's a problem. Because I don't care if somebody hates my beliefs. I think that people ought to be free to say so if they think that something I believe in is incorrect. And I don't think it should be an insult. And when that does happen, I really try to practice humility and not take it as an insult. When somebody says... I don't like or agree with that thing that you said. But a lot of commentators and thought leaders have managed to add that strong connotation of not only do I hate that thing you said, I am also going to accuse you of trying to brainwash me to think exactly the way that you do. And while I am really learning as best as I can to not take it as a personal slight if someone thinks I'm wrong about something, I do not like being accused of trying to brainwash people or of thinking that everybody should share my exact beliefs on everything. And I do take that as a personal slight when I'm accused of wanting people not to have freedom of thought. And I think that's perfectly valid. They can't just say somebody thinks something different from you because like, you can't unenergize like a mob mentality off of something that soft. Oh, right. okay. Somebody thinks thinks something further left than me. So the f what? You have to convince that they're like a threat to you. Like I hope so. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> you, you have to- like, I hope that there are people who 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 think differently than me i don't know somebody has different life experiences than i do so they're going to have different opinions on what the right thing to do is and maybe we could talk to each other about our life experiences and find some common ground or like you know that's how normal people would approach that situation but yeah so you have to what you have to do is you have to convince the people that they're a threat to you or they're trying to like they're hell-bent on eradicating you by brainwashing your children so your beliefs won't be passed down would you would you like to hear my take on this Oh, absolutely. So, I am a Jewish man, which means that I speak dog whistle. So, I know that when somebody uses the word globalists or Zionists or George Soros, saying that that those groups of people control the banks or the media or, or the political whatever of this country, I know that what they really mean when they say that is the Jews. Even if the person saying it doesn't know that that's what they mean, that's what they mean. The way that you determine this is if you replace the word the Jews into any of those sentences and it doesn't change the meaning at all, you've got yourself a dog whistle. So if it's the globalists control the banks and you replace that with the Jews control the banks and it's the Jews control the banks, the meaning of that sentence doesn't change whatsoever. In fact, like the meaning becomes clearer. I apply the same logic to the term woke you have to see is there a term that you can replace the word woke with and in 99 percent of instances it doesn't change the meaning at all whatsoever or it makes it clearer what you're actually trying to say here um yeah i can think of a term and i'm not there's i'm not willing to say it on the podcast no i'm not going to say it on the podcast either because it contains a racial slur yeah i know what you're referring to and i've heard other people say that as well and i absolutely think you're correct yeah, I wasn't the one who came up with this. I, I saw somebody else say it and I said, you know, that's mm-hmm. absolutely true. If you apply the, the a dog whistle logic to it, it works 100%. You are allied with people that I want to oppress is kind of what it boils down to. Or you are yes. allied with people that I do not want to consider as full humans. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so the only time I ever generally use the word woke now is like as, as like a joke. You know, when I'm making fun of reactionaries for being ignorant or making fun of them for accidentally having a take that's politically progressive. And this has been a a little bit of a long walk for a short drink of water, but I think it was a worthwhile walk because I feel that we needed to explain why we would use that term for this episode, because it's not an insult to me. And I'm not really using it as one, but the people that we're discussing would feel insulted by being called woke. So... Uh, I think it, it's it's the um, just the perfect term. You know what they say? A stopped clock is right twice a day. So I really want to get into some of these unexpectedly good takes from some of our favorite fundies. Well, you know, I'm glad we had that discussion because, you know, this is the Leaving Eden podcast. and You can't just like make fun of people on this show. You have to make fun of people for uh, intellectual and, and uh, deconstruction reasons. Right, because we're not as funny as Jen. <laughs> it's like when Mike Warnke uh, said, as a Christian, you can't just do nothing. You, like, if you want a cheese sandwich, you got to be, where's the cheese <laughs> sandwich in the word of God? It's like that, <laughs> but with deconstruction. Oh, man. Okay. Um, 
I mean, the the first take that I saw here was the one where uh, uh, Bethany be- and like th- a lot of these takes fall into the cam uh, the category of like fundies accidentally typing words or, or, or terms that they don't actually know what it is. But Bethany a while ago she put up a a promo for a workshop that she was holding, but the workshop was going to be called a Christian woman's sex work workshop, right? Or a sex work uh, 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 seminar or something. <laughs> How to start your very own God-honoring OnlyFans. <laughs> it's it's OnlyFans, and it's, it's just Bethany, like, fully clothed, because I don't want to imagine her otherwise, in various poses that, that she thinks are seductive, reading gospel tracts in the plan of salvation, and talking about how when anything goes wrong in her life, that's actually God's plan. And then it's also it's also videos of Bethany and Dave's first kiss at their wedding. Damn, kinky. Or it could well, be you videos. Well, Bethany of, loves to post pictures of their first kiss. Like she does that all the time. I like Bethany. The thing that bothers me most about Bethany, not like the the fact that she just hates transgender people or that she, you know, is extremely insufferable when it comes to uh, talking down to other women and about other women or that she's very sketch on her on uh, how exactly how much does she stand white supremacy the thing that i find more objectionable than anything else about her is how f- often she posts wedding photos she's like she's got two kids already when you get married you can you can post wedding photos within like the the like when you get married you post the photos that people take at the ceremony on their phones or whatever and then you get the photos back and you can post those photos for like a month right and I then think you, you know get on a year you get a year okay well you can post I think on you your get six a month year anniversary of free for all i mean weddings are are really expensive you should get your you should get your money's worth out of that okay that's that's fair i think you get a full year of free for all post a wedding picture every day if you want and i think after the first year you need to go to like one like year anniversaries and half year anniversaries and your spouse's birthday and like other meaningful days that it would make more sense to post a wedding photo and then after like the first two years it's really only for anniversaries i you know what i agree although with your you partner's birthday like your spouse's birthday if, if you have a spouse like my spouse who does not take professional photos, <laughs> I think your partner's birthday or something like that is also perfectly appropriate because that may just be the only really good <laughs> picture you have of them. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm reminded of that episode of Parks and Recreation where they gave Jerry a photo of himself, but the photo was him officiating Leslie and Ben's wedding, but he was obscured in it because they didn't have any pictures of him. Yes. <laughs> That's the vibe I'm, I'm thinking right But that's right like now. that's my general take on wedding photo posting etiquette. Bethany posts wedding photos so Reels, often. Videos from her wedding, videos talking about her wedding, videos talking about how she bought a wedding dress at her sister's dress appointment 10 years before her actual wedding. And then she sold it on Etsy or Poshmark or yes. whatever, yeah. And then talking about how she saved her first kiss for marriage, and then talking about how she met Dave, it's it's constant. Well, see, I think the difference is that like we're thinking about somebody who is just like a person. She isn't just a person. She is a person who is monetizing her marriage and her personal life in order to create content that people pay her money for. 
And that's right. the reason why she has to like harp on it. To be fair, one thing positive I'm willing to say about Bethany is she does seem to want her children to have a lower social media profile, which I do respect. So she's not like posting pictures of her kids every single day or like my kid did this thing that will be embarrassing to them in 10 years, but right now I'm going to post it all over the internet. Or my three-year-old child said something very insightful about the word of God and it's going to end up in Hashtag the- sayings of Spurgeon. <laughs> Hashtag or like that happened subreddit, you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Um, or like, um, you know, I'm going to play this horrible, horrible prank on my kid that they're going to need a lot of therapy for in the future and put that on the internet. So like props to her for not doing that. Unfortunately, when you are a woman in Christian patriarchy and your wedding day and your kids are kind of the only thing about you, if if you're not going to post your kids that much, that kind of means your wedding is the only thing about you. That's kind of a bummer. But and sadly, the thing is that we tried to find Bethany Beale being woke by accident. The problem was that I legitimately could not get through enough of her content to actually be able to find one of these takes. Well, she doesn't say anything. She says this all of on her social that, media. All of her like things that she says are like in her podcast episodes. It's literally just like, I mean, for for our show, I think that if you. You know how they have AIs that you can feed a bunch of text into and have it listen to your podcast episodes over and over and over again, and it'll spit out a new podcast episode. It wouldn't be able to do that with us because we talk about new and different stuff every single time. With Bethany Beal, it could absolutely do that because she talks about the same thing in every episode. And it's, like, it's yep. literally just like rinse, repeat. She has one talk, like it's Christian marriage or prayer or... uh how to you know submit to your husband or some shit like that just like over and yeah. over and over and over and over again right so other than um her accidental promotion of her godly only fans for jesus godly we didn't fans, have a lot of accidentally woke takes from bethany <laughs> no but you know who we did have some accidentally woke takes from who's that somebody who speaks in much more like who, who talks more um freely and also on a much greater variety of topics than Bethany. I'm talking, of course, about Susanna Anderson. So I knew in my heart, like when we sat down to write this episode, we had come across a couple of these accidentally woke takes. And we thought, oh, let's go look and see what else we can pull to pull together an episode out of this. And I knew that I would find something from Susanna Anderson. <laughs> I just I knew it. I know how she is. And and I've said before and uh, that that I really just wish she hadn't married Steven Anderson because I could have seen her being a pretty cool person. Yeah, Steven Anderson is a truly hateful individual. And Susanna, to her credit, is also a truly hateful individual as well. She is. She is. She's awful and hateful and harmful. I just think that she had the opportunity to not be that way. Like, if she had not been, if she had not encountered Steven. Yeah. I think she could have grown into a different person. Also, there are only like four people in this world that I will actually say I hate because I don't think it's it's really healthy for me to carry hatred or a grudge against very many people. So I try to keep that list really, really short. Steven Anderson is one of the few people that I truly hate in this world. He's not a good dude. He's He's really not. Good people don't get banned from that many countries. <laughs> 
So I knew that I would find something from her. I didn't expect to find something on the most recent post on her blog. Her most recent post was about how toddlers should not be expected to sit through church services and you shouldn't discipline a kid under three for not being able to sit still in church. Really? Yeah. So here's her quote. Kids should not be made to dread church and associate their earliest memories of church with punishment and misery. <coughs> Take that baby out. <laughs> oh my God. Actually, in, in doing that Jack Howells impression, I coughed and it literally felt like my, it feels like my throat is bleeding right now. <laughs> oh no. I'm sorry. <laughs> now I'm laughing and it hurts even more, but that's okay. Uh, we laugh through the pain on this podcast. That's what we do. I'm going to take another cough drop. Yeah, it's usually my emotional pain, and this time it's your sickness. This podcast is brought to you by Ricola. I do think this is an accidentally woke take from Zoo because kids should not be made to dread church and associate their earliest memories of church with punishment and misery. Yes, children should not be taught about eternal hellfire and punishment at church. They shouldn't associate church with punishment and misery. See, I feel like she just didn't take that extra step there. And if she had, then she would have been like, maybe I shouldn't make this take. Yeah, that's why it's accidental. Yeah. Um, Good catch. So she's also spoken extensively about how breastfeeding is not sexual and Christian mothers should not be forced to feed their babies under a cover unless that's something that they want to do. But Sadie, I was under the impression that women's bodies are inherently sexual and that the sight of an nipple is sufficient stimuli to cause a man to lose all control of his actions and therefore not be responsible for said actions. Mrs. Anderson says that biblical nakedness only, only includes the waist to the knee and that any parts of a body can potentially be sexually attractive to men. And if we were going to cover anything that could make a man lust ever, we should all just wear burqas. And instead, we should expect Christian men to have some self-control. Don't give the fundies any ideas about the burqa thing. They will, like... <laughs> you know, no. No, that's not what they want, because what they want is to control people their way. They would never make it... I mean... Right, because doing anything that is, is any way similar to the Muslims would be too woke for them. Because diversity is woke. I did hear a, a honest to goodness, I heard a sermon from a preacher boy at Hiles Anderson College. Uh, the title of the sermon was Five Things That the Muslims Get Correct. And one of them was, uh, and I quote, they keep their women covered. Damn. I am mm -hmm. so sorry to any um, Muslim listeners to this show who had to listen to that because... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm deeply sorry. Uh, That's horrible. Also, um <laughs> go follow if you if you want to listen to a Muslim woman about modesty who is and, and she is also hilarious and a really talented athlete and dancer, follow Hijabi Luscious on Instagram. H I J A B I L U S C I O U S Hijabi Luscious. She is a Muslim woman who is also a pole dancer. And she's extremely cool. And she talks about a lot about her own personal standards of modesty that she has for herself and like how she makes her life choices in accordance with her religion. And she's hilarious. And I love her. That's really interesting. That That is actually fascinating. 
Huh. Yeah, she wears those sticky leggings that have like a, a latex or a silicone texture so that she can do pole dancing while she is completely covered from her head to her ankles. Interesting. Okay. Oh, it says she was Love on it. Try Guys. Was she on Try Guys? It says as That's seen cool. on the Try Guys. I haven't seen that yet, but I will go watch that. So she must be legit. Oh, she's super. I just found her a couple weeks ago, but I've really been enjoying her content. Anyway, this whole thing about, like, we should expect Christian men to have some self-control, this is one of the things that, like, Susanna is, she is more logical than a lot of fundies, and I both love to see it and also hate it because she uses that logic to be hateful, and that sucks. See, the thing is, with these, these takes from Zuzu, most of them aren't, like, accidentally woke because they're low, some of them are low-key woke on purpose. Yeah, I would say her thoughts on breastfeeding are woke on purpose. I would say that quote is accidentally woke that I read earlier. Yeah, but it's not like, you know, Bethany Beal has a podcast guest on and the podcast guest says that it's okay to use a vibrator if it's for quote unquote self-cultivation. So the thing that I was looking for, because Susanna Anderson has like a blog where she has like every thought that she's ever had in the past like 15 years written down and so the thing that i was looking for is i was looking for like a take that is like low-key marxist but that she doesn't know is like marxist um because she hasn't that's gotta be on there yeah, somewhere. It's like she hasn't read marxist theory so i think because right now the thing that i'm thinking is the only thing that steven anderson the only woke thing that Steven Anderson has ever done is to be a victim of police brutality. Oh, no. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's awful. I mean, is he not aware that the police behave in a terrible way towards people? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I watch the video and as funny as it is to see a guy like Steven Anderson get tased, I really don't think that the police were right to tase him in that instance. You know what I'm saying? No. They, like, they just should have walked <clears throat> up to his car, and he opened his window, and he got a little mouthy with the officer, so they just tased him. I don't think that's right. I don't think they should be doing that to people. I just think it's kind of like, it's just really hard to feel sorry for a guy like Steven Anderson. That's, that's all I want to say. But he is definitely aware that the police do not always act appropriately in every case. So... Once again, that is another case of accidentally woke, because... <laughs> Police who did not need to inflict brutality and violence on a person on a particular day uh, chose to inflict brutality and violence on a person, but they accidentally picked, like, one of the worst people in the world to do it to instead of, like, some random innocent civilian. Yeah. Um, so. So. Stop clock twice, right, right twice a day. However, I did find a blog post from the 10th of October, 2008, where Susanna Anderson was asked about whether voting for a third-party candidate in the upcoming uh, 2008 presidential election would be considered a wasted vote. And here's what she had to say. This is really interesting. And this is what she says. When asked why they will not vote for a third-party candidate, many people will respond by saying something like, he cannot win, or I don't want to waste my vote. It is true America has not elected a third-party candidate since 1860. Does that automatically mean, however, that every vote cast for one of the two major party candidates is a wasted vote? I don't think so. In the first place, 
A wasted vote is a vote for someone you know does not represent your own beliefs and principles. A wasted vote is a vote for someone you know will not lead the country in the way it should go. A wasted vote is a vote for the lesser of two evils. Or, in the case of John McCain and Barack Obama, what we have is a choice between the evil of two lessers. Damn. Um, and then she goes on to say, Albert Einstein is credited with saying that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result now. For years now, Democrats and Republicans have been leading the country in the same basic direction towards bigger and bigger government, more and more socialism, globalism, corporatism, and foreign interventionism, and the dismantling of constitutional liberties. Yet, voters continue to think that they are voting for change when they vote for a Republican or Democrat. This is truly insane. Then she goes on to complain about bank bailouts, globalism, the police state, the so-called war on terror, free trade, NAFTA. But then she goes on to complain that the New World Order, and, and, and that's kind of like where it takes like a, it goes off the deep end. And she starts talking about being pro-life and overturning the 16th Amendment and ending the invasion <laughs> of illegal aliens, all that bullshit. But aside from the dig about socialism, and the part where she like totally goes off the deep end. If you just replace John McCain and Barack Obama with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, this could word for word be a Reddit comment left in 2016 by a former Bernie Sanders supporter trying to justify voting for a third party in the general. The wild part is that the original context of this quote is um, Susanna Anderson recommending against voting for John McCain in 2008 because she believed that Barack Obama had the election in the bag and that John McCain was the lesser of two evils anyway. And I don't know if this is like her being woke on accident because I don't think that this is take, this take is particularly woke, but it's just, I don't know. It's just wild to me that like an America first Christian nationalist type could say something like this, that is almost virtually indistinguishable from something that like a very online Bernie Sanders supported might say. Yeah, it's it's so similar to when we did the um was this written by an incel or was this written by Lori Alexander? <laughs> Lori game. Alexander's coming next by the way. But yeah. Oh, I uh, believe me, I'm so ready to get there. I, but no, you're right. It's like this could be if you just just switched out some names, this could so easily be the scenario you described from 2016. <laughs> Well, that's not, I mean, you'd have to go be like, that's not very harm reductionist of you, you know, is what you have to say to somebody. Um, I don't know. All I want to say is that I hope everybody who likes Steven Anderson and uh, Susanna Anderson votes for third party forever so that nobody that they support will win an election ever. Yes, I'm, I'm with you. <clears throat> Man. And also that all those patriarchy women that believe you that women shouldn't vote just don't. Yeah, I would feel a lot safer if I knew that Susanna Anderson didn't vote. Oh, I know that I know that she has a blog post about voting and I cannot remember. I think she said that women shouldn't vote, but I can't remember now. <laughs> anyway, let's go on to, to talk about Lori Alexander. Okay, so I have pulled some <laughs> oh, God. some great screenshots from Lori. Number one, Lori says that, and this is something she retweeted. She didn't, or not retweeted. She 
posted an image of a tweet on her Instagram story, but she clearly endorses this message. Lori says that when you celebrate MLK Day, you are also honoring queer liberation, gender equality, and trans rights. That's true. <clears throat> we yes. stan it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is from a screenshot of a tweet that she posted on her Instagram story. And I, I totally agree. As MLK himself said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And while he may have personally held some views that we would today see as regressive or possibly homophobic, he also trusted individual LGBTQ people and included them in his own work. And as time went on and people knew more so they did better, his widow Coretta Scott King did a lot of LGBTQ activism, which she saw as a continuation of MLK's legacy. LGBTQ people also borrowed methods used by Dr. King and often compared these two fights for equality and justice to one another. And there was a lot of effort made to see this as one struggle for human rights with multiple, uh, multiple groups included. So when Lori says that intersectionality is crucial and that MLK had a bigger influence even than his mass massive influence on racial justice. I agree. And I will say that this is an accidentally woke take. Yes. Great take, uh, Laurie Alexander. Thank you for reminding us to think about intersectionality when we're um, engaging mm -hmm. with uh, conversations about social justice and where to take this country going forward. Mm -hmm. To honor Dr. King first for his racial justice work, but to remember that his advocacy paved the way for a lot of other people as well. Also worth pointing out that during his lifetime, uh, Dr. King was very unpopular. And in, in 1966, I believe close to two thirds of Americans believed that he was actually hurting the cause of civil rights rather than helping it. But less than two decades later, he was seen in the much more positive light, so much so that in 1983, Martin Luther King Day was made a national holiday. So if what Aunt Lori is saying here holds true, then same-sex marriage, uh, gender-neutral uh, pronouns, gender-affirming care will soon be as widely supported in this country as the integration of schools and equal voting rights for everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lori, for that take. Yeah. Um, unexpected social justice ally and racial justice ally and queer ally, Lori Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on with Lori's woke takes, she is also appears to be of the opinion that the pink tax is bull and that societal expectations of women's appearance are too damn high. I'll just read this this tweet from Lori directly. Lori says, "The war on women, birth control, tampons, abortion, divorce, fake nails, cosmetics, nine to five jobs, breast implants, high heels, sunscreen, teeth whiteners. Can you think of any more? And I gotta say, I agree with a lot of these points, Lori. So birth control, yes, it is such BS that the burden of birth control so often falls on AFAB people when the birth control pill for AMAP people did not make it to market because it has the same side effects that AFAB people face every single day if they choose to take hormonal birth control. I also agree, um, like moving on to uh, tampon, sunscreen, teeth whiteners, fake nails, that kind of thing. The pink tax is BS 
And people who menstruate should not be effectively taxed for existing on a monthly basis. Being stripped of abortion rights, again, absolutely a part of the war on women. And tell me about the expectations on women's appearance and Avon people's appearance. Fake nails, cosmetics, implants, high heels, sunscreen, teeth whiteners. A man washes his face with bar soap and gets complimented on his appearance. Lori's absolutely right. The standards... Uh, the standards for women, AFAB people, and femme presenting people, all of us are just way too damn high. I mean, I do be washing my face with bar soap. And have you ever mm-hmm. seen me with it? Oh, yeah, like, I'm sure you do. If I remember to wash my face. Oh. <laughs> no, I do wash my face. Uh, have you ever uh. seen me with a single pimple, though? Ever? No, you have gorgeous skin. I hate you for it. <laughs> I have to do so much skincare. Do you have any idea how many products I put on my face every day? I don't know, man. But once again, part of the reason that I have to put so many products on my face is because of the burden of birth control falling on AFAB people and men not being able to handle the same side effects that we go through, like an exploding face. Yeah. The real war on women. I don't want that. Just... Yeah. Now, I would say I would disagree with one item on this list in particular, which is nine to five jobs. I would just say that that's a war on all people rather than a war on just women. Yeah, I think Dolly Parton said it best. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So I have one more Lori related accidentally woke take this cartoon was posted to the subreddit funny snark uncensored by someone who saw it on a facebook page belonging to someone who follows lori so the person who posted this has a fundy friend their fundy friend is a lori stan and posted this image yeah okay so i'll just describe this cartoon for you let's put it on our instagram it's on our instagram we can put it on the instagram So the image shows a woman evidently meant to be from a Middle Eastern culture. She is carrying a large load of firewood in one arm and a crying baby in the other arm. And she has several water pots stacked on top of her head. And then there's a very racist depiction of her husband lying on a chair behind her smoking a hookah. There's a car driving past the family on a road, and a speech bubble from inside the car says, oh, she doesn't work. She's a housewife. And the intention of this cartoon is to point out that being a full-time parent or homemaker is work. Um, And often so much of the burden for that falls on women. Too much labor. So Lori's fan here says that unpaid domestic labor is still labor, and... While I certainly don't like the racist part of this image, it is calling out the husband for not pitching in on all of this unpaid domestic labor. Truly an accidental woke take. Um, and what does the, the thing below that says? Um, so the, yeah. the comment that the Lori Stan had left on this image, that's not even on Facebook, that's on Twitter. The comment that the Lori Stan had left on this image said, uh, I want to wi- thank all... Their comment doesn't make sense. My husband sent this to me this morning. I want to thank all the hardworking housewives and moms a very happy day. I don't acknowledge International Women's Day because it is feministic in origin, and I personally think men should have an International Men's Day as well. God bless your day. 
And then the reply to that says, November 19th is International Men's Day since you are too lazy to do a quick Google search and learn mm. that it already exists. Yeah, th there's a men's day. <laughs> this, is, this is crazy. But I agree with you about that uh, about that unpaid domestic labor, man. Um, yeah, it, it's real work and absolutely necessary for the functioning of our society. That's true. Um, let's okay. do the offering break and then... Um, that sounds great. We'll come back. When we come back, we have a couple big ones. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Paul and Morgan, which is going to be a lot of fun. And then we're going to talk about... Briefly, we're going to talk about He Gets Us, the He Gets Us ads. Those are going to be a lot of fun. Um, and how, oh, fun. And so we're going to go take up the offering and we'll be right back. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, that group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. We are back from our break. What have we talked about so far? We've talked about what woke is. What does it mean to be woke? We've talked about Girl Defined a little bit. We've talked about Susanna Anderson. We've talked about Lori Alexander. I want to shift gears a little bit. Talk about Paul and Morgan. Oh, let's do it. You know how Bethany Beal, she, like, she kind of keeps her opinions about a lot of i don't want to say keeps them to herself but she doesn't always talk about everything and maybe it's just because she's a woman and women are like allowed a specific subset of things that they're allowed to talk about right and she's been socialized into like you have to have a meek and quiet spirit and all of this patriarchal bs that she could just decide to ditch but won't because it benefits her yeah because of her privilege so but i assume that like paul because paul will say anything about anything oh paul will say literally whatever comes into his brain yeah um i mean i during the research for this episode i found i stumbled upon a clip of paul comparing women's rights to the rights of slave owners um but uh like during the research for this episode i oh wait wait you come 
Yeah, so during the research of this episode, I spent a lot of time consuming Paul and Morgan content. Uh, rest in peace, my brain. I, 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 now, I've watched a lot of Girl to Find. I've watched a lot of other fundies. But I think that Paul Oligus is probably the most, like, aside from the Lori Alexander and the Susanna Andersons of the world, Paul Oligus is probably the most hateful out of all of them. During my research, like I said, I stumbled upon a clip where Paul compares the rights of, of women to the rights of slave owners. And it, like, I, I, he, it was just like an extended metaphor that he was saying. I think he was saying that because um, it, was, it was probably to do something to do with abortion where people were saying, well, it's about women's rights. And he was like, well... I believe in the rights of babies, which is equivalent of the rights of other oppressed people like escape, like, like slaves who are getting freed was the metaphor that he was trying to make, which is just no, no, Paul, I'm no. sorry. Um, no, Paul. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I found a He says so much stuff. I found a clip of him where he complained about seeing too many interracial couples on television. I found a clip where he defended Gina Carano when she was comparing COVID precautions to the Holocaust. Like the, the vast majority of mm -hmm. stuff that comes out of this guy's mouth is downright hateful. Of course, um, like on a video where he says something that is truly atrocious, the snarkers will like get at him in the comments and then he'll take the video down. So, that's why like a lot of his videos like you can only find clips of them and they'll be like clips that somebody has taken and put on like fundy stark uncensored subreddit which is because like the the lord of the rings when when he got all mad about the amazon lord of the Rings series that got taken down yeah he he was complaining about seeing too many interracial couples on television he's like you got to be doing it on purpose i'm like no it's just colorblind casting they just cast whoever they want in these roles like it's fun like like you know, pe people exist in the world, and all ki all kinds of couples exist in the world. And maybe TV should look like the real world around us. But yeah, usually, like when he says something really ridiculous on video, he'll take the video down. So it's kind of a pain to find it. So what I did was I went to a place where he gets much less attention, but also a place where he's much more likely to shoot from the hip. So I went to Paul Oligus Twitter. Oh dear. S Sadie, have you ever read Paul's Twitter? I don't believe so. Maybe I have and just wiped it from my memory. Oh, let's see. Here's a tweet that he dropped an hour ago. I just opened this up. He says, Paul Oligus, at, at Paul Oligus, women who drop the F bomb emoji and then a thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs down? <laughs> yeah, it thumbs down on women who drop the F bomb. So f***ing sorry that I upset you today, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, here's another one from five days ago. He says, I say this in tough love. Far too many Christians are immature, have passive faith, walks and bend in the world. Oh, I guess it's path, path, passive faith walks and blend in with the world. That's not how we're called to live. We're supposed to be salt, to look different and stand out for righteousness, producing good fruit and living with a purpose, praying hands emoji. This dude thinks he's the fucking authority on everything. Like he has so many just like sanctimonious takes where he's saying, if you're preaching about grace and you don't back it up with biblical justification, then you're lukewarm and you're trying to appeal to the world rather than bringing the world to Jesus. Or he does quite a bit of like, you know, that some mm -hmm. Christians, 
blah, blah, blah. And then chides them for not being judgmental enough or for being too loving or something. And all of his Twitter is either him telling people what to do or him retweeting people from like Daily Wire or like Ali Beth Stuckey. And most of his like, Ugh. yeah, most I mean, good part, though, most of his tweets for a guy that has like 2000 Twitter followers, most of his tweets get pretty low engagement considering that he does have more than 2000 followers on his platform. I don't know if I'm on Twitter and I am on Twitter a lot because I have ADHD and like, I can't, you know, stop from looking at my phone, but most of the tweets that I like tweet about, it's like about basketball or like star Wars or something. Like I'm not out here telling people how to live their lives. This dude is simultaneously sanctimonious and thinks he's like a big leader, but also this man has got to be the biggest NPC I think I've ever f***ing seen on the entire internet in my entire life. Like, you could probably feed Paul Olegas tweets into an AI chatbot, and it could tweet for him, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Like, this dude tweets all the time. He tweets so much, and then acts like everybody needs to be listening to him. Anyway, here's a few highlights that I found before I want to get into the accidental wokeness, because, I mean, I, I did find the accidental wokeness, but some of these... Are, are just like okay. okay so here's a tweet from him from august 14th 2022 it says let's be real with ourselves when we sing worship to god is it more about us or him more about how it makes us feel a deep spiritual experience or because he deserves it the goal is it's about him feelings are a bonus smiley face <clears throat> well that's that's not really accidentally woke but i would call that accidentally correct he's it's accidentally self-aware yeah but he has zero self-awareness like i find it hilarious that if this were somebody who i wasn't 80 percent sure has tried to eat potpourri at some point in his <laughs> life i would think that he's trolling but i know that he isn't because it's paul i want to read another one from april 25th 2022 uh where he says think what you will have reservations be optimistically cautious that's totally fine. But I, for one, am super pumped that Elon Musk has bought Twitter. What a great day. Mm. Hands in the air emoji, smiley face emoji. <laughs> Are those Android emojis also? I don't know. Those look like Android emojis to me. Maybe. Are you making fun of Are you making fun of Paul for having an Android phone instead of an iPhone? Possibly. That's cla that's classist of you, Sadie. <laughs> I no, so I'm not making fun of all people who have Androids. Um, just Paul. That's fair. I mean, he is an NPC, so uh, he is literally an Android. <laughs> you could replace yeah. him with a robot. No one would be able to tell. Make Morgan's life better. She wouldn't have to deal with his ass all day. You replace like if you replace Paul with like C3PO, he'd probably actually do some housework every once in a while. Finally. Just Stepford Wives. Yeah. Um, he Here's the accidentally woke one. Paul Olegas at, uh, tweeted at 12.37 p.m. August 22nd, 2020. In today's climate, the negative and hateful voices are often the loudest but they do not represent everyone. Stay strong and keep standing for truth. Praying hands emoji. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, Paul Olgus, who tweets 400 times a day about how transgender people are a threat to the children. The most negative and hateful voices are often the loudest. <laughs> Indeed, Paul. Misogyny, racism, homophobia, and especially transphobia are really loud right now, but they don't represent everyone, and I will continue standing for truth. Thanks, Paul. For instance, if somebody were to become angry at a musical performer for using religious imagery in a sexual metaphor and ask for, I don't know, maybe request that God were to strike them down while they were making their music video, they might be inclined to yell that loudly into a camera on social media rather than just to think that in their head. <laughs> yes, that would be an instance of negative and hateful voices being the loudest. <laughs> Sidebar, I think it's funny that Porgan, Paul and Morgan, got so mad at Ariana Grande for using God in a sexual metaphor, but nobody has any beef with Leonard Cohen for doing literally the exact same thing. In fact, they will change Leonard Cohen's lyrics to make the song like a Christmas song, and then it'll end up on Bethany Beale's Christmas playlist. <laughs> <sighs> yep. So this one other thing that I found from Paul and Morgan is maybe a shade off of an accidentally woke take or maybe not i'll have to let you decide i found a screen cap from a video where morgan said that she changed her mind about covid not being real or not being a big deal when her dad almost died from it so first obviously i hate that some people only believe in things after they affect them personally this is the same energy as men who will say that they suddenly became feminists when they had a daughter or when their wife or daughter experienced something horrible due to misogyny. That sucks. Like, you couldn't be bothered to listen to women or care about their issues until, it, until something happened to a woman that you perceive yourself to have a degree of ownership over. Do better. Extremely main character syndrome. Yeah. It's like, like we said earlier, you know, it's like the thing where something bad will happen to a woman but it won't happen as like uh like in 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 bad fiction but the mm -hmm. only thing the, that only happens as like a way to move the plot forward for the man or just to it only happens for his character development not for like anything other than that and it just gets like after that you never have to worry about that again no um right also, considering that Paul spent all of 2020 and all of 2021 tweeting about how horrible and tyrannical mask mandates are and how you shouldn't have to show your vax card to go to the gym, I really just don't have a lot of grace for him for, for this take coming from him or, or coming from Morgan. But that being said, what I will say is that I got new information or had a new experience and I changed my mind and I'm now admitting to having changed my mind, that is an accidental woke take. Changing your mind because you got new information and openly admitting to having changed your mind, that's pretty woke. But I, the thing is that I do feel like the vaccine slash mask mandate thing is such the epitome of the whole anti-woke mentality because these people will like go out to the store. If you're like, Paul or, or Morgan or something and you'll see this on social media all the time is we'll go out to the store and they'll just see a person wearing a mask and this has happened to us 
we've been like out walking around together and in portland i think it must have been in like 21 or 22 and somebody would see us walking around a store and be like that person is a woke that person is a, a wearing a mask they're 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 woke we you we you we do you remember that when that happened to us uh, where we thought we were coming out of the liquor store on burnside you know, and 23rd place you know the liquor store that's down there used to be that liquor store moved oh they moved okay um yeah they moved into the old goodwill it's like a huge store now oh cool um no i don't remember but i believe you um but then we came out and there was some and you were wearing a mask because you're just like it wasn't even because of covid you're like i have a cold well i was probably pregnant or had just had a baby if it was in 2020 or 2021 no it was in 21 okay well i spent the i spent all of 2021 either pregnant or having just had a kid yeah so i was definitely being a little extra cautious but like it's it's the sort of thing where somebody will see a person is like that person is awoke that person is awoke you know wee 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 let me make myself the victim of having to see that person going about their day just like the perpetual need well this happened to, to me recently um like like within the last month or so so like i wear a mask indoors um like spaces like grocery stores for a couple of reasons so first i have a toddler she gets every cold and i don't want to pass covid to other people if i happen to have an asymptomatic infection but i don't want to pass all of her sniffles and colds to other people who could potentially get really sick from it also though i have allergies and i'm always coughing and sneezing this time of year and even if i know for sure i'm not sick sick i don't want to make somebody uncomfortable by coughing in their general like i was at the store the other day and some dude was coughing right down the back of my neck it was Ew. so close to me and i don't want to make somebody uncomfortable even if i know it's just allergies by being gross with my allergies so anyway i was wearing a mask in target and this must have been about a month ago so usually i would leave the store and then take my mask off in the parking lot on this particular occasion i didn't because my hands were full and some person in the parking lot like went off on me verbally for wearing a mask. <laughs> and it just like, why on earth would you care? Like, why do you care what I have on my face? Well, it's the thing. It's like the perpetual need to feel like you're the victim in any given situation. Because if you can make yourself into the victim, then anything that you do is any way that you act out that's horrible towards another person is in self-defense and therefore justified which is ironic because at the beginning of this episode bethany mandel described woke as you know the idea that we need to totally redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression which seems to me like it's exactly what these reactionary types are doing except for they want to totally redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression their definition of oppression is any real or imagined grievance or inconvenience that a reactionary person might face while in real life or browsing the internet. The, the thing is that we tied that in the beginning of the episode to us versus them thinking, and the person who went off on me with my toddler in a Target parking lot because I had a piece of woven material, I don't know what's in a KN95 material, is it cloth? I don't even know what those things are made of that person has been told has been indoctrinated with us versus them thinking and the fact that i got a thing on my face signals to them that i am not one of us i am one of them 
And us versus them thinking always dehumanizes the them. And that's why they didn't bother to speak to me like a person. That's why they felt okay just starting off a string of insults on a parent with their baby in a Target parking lot buying diapers. (laughs) Because that type of cult-like thinking, that us versus them thinking, always dehumanizes the them in the situation. So there's one more not-so-accidentally-woke thing that we want to talk about here before we wrap up this episode. Yeah, so this is the thing where we, I want to, I feel like it's unaccidentally fake woke. The responses to it are either extremely unwoke or extremely accidentally woke. It's, it's very, it's a very weird situation. Um, yeah. So when I was doing research for this, I was looking for, um, mainly issues that can be divisive because that's where we get the the best content. And one of the biggest issues that I've, I've seen lately, or, or one of the biggest things that's popped up in the 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 christosphere Hmm. i guess is what i'm calling it and that has made its way into mainstream culture that people are talking about in mainstream culture is the these he gets us ads i mean if you've been on the internet or if you've watched television in the past few months then you've seen these ads basically it's ads for jesus like tv commercials for jesus or internet commercials for jesus or or instagram ads for jesus or tiktok ads for jesus but the, the, the premise of these ads is that G is, is he gets us, that Jesus it relates to the issues that we're going through. Mm-hmm. And it's ve- like these ads, it's interesting because they're very much in the, in, in the vein of, like, you know, during Christmas, there's always the inevitable meme that you see that says that somebody posts that's like, Jesus was a brown-skinned working-class refugee who supported rights for women and was against impure, like, that's the... We talked about the image that often goes along with that when we did the what does Jesus look like episode. Yeah, and so these he gets us ads. There's one that I saw that was very much, it it took the same sort of tack where it said, Mm -hmm. where they're like, Jesus was a refugee, and then the subjects of the advertisement are all non-white people from, uh, uh, ostensibly you assume they're from the missions trip countries, it's like, and, and that's very much the tack that they were taking with it. Uh, the one that I liked the most of the He Gets Us ads that I saw, um, there was one uh, that the point was Jesus was born to a teen mother. Interesting. And it wasn't, it, just, it did not come off as anti-abortion at, on, at face value. It didn't come off particularly preachy about abortion or choice issues of choice so that definitely caught my attention and that sort of portrayal of jesus or jesus was a brown skin working class refugee that is more how i tend to see and interpret the bible but progressive christianity does not need to it is not enough simply to reread and interpret the Bible in ways that are progressive. That does not fix the harms that Christianity has done to people. I think that that that's a great first step. That's certainly the way that I see scripture and the story of Jesus, but that is not enough to absolve oneself from all the response from responsibility for the, the ways that we harmed other people when we were still in 
fundamentalist evangelical Christianity or the way that Christianity and the church as a whole has harmed people throughout history. The tack they're trying to take, um, which is not like, it's not like a horrible tack to take. No, is it's not they're at say, all. They're, yeah, they're saying like anything that humans have have gone through or, or that he, that any struggle that a person could go through or most struggles that a person could go through are struggles that if you read about the story of Jesus, there there uh, there is something in there for you. And that's basically what they're trying to say. Yeah, and I think that that's a good way to look at scripture, less as this is a roadmap for every decision of your entire life and you've got to base your entire life off of word for word exactly what it says and more like there's something here that could speak to anyone. Yeah. There's something here that could be a good truth for anybody to learn in their in their life. So aside from the fact that I'm getting TV ads for Jesus, which I find obnoxious, uh, <laughs> which I think is totally fair. I did like the ads themselves. I, I wasn't like, I hate this, this specifically. If you were going to get Jesus ads on your TV, I think you'd rather them look like this than the one that I'm getting during Jeopardy every night. That's an ad for heavenornot.com. It <laughs> triggers me every <laughs> time. Man. Oh, it, the first time it triggered me so badly. And like now it's funny because now I know to expect it, but it'll it'll have like a, an image of flames and it'll be like, do you know that you're not going to burn in a lake of fire forever? How do they have that as a f ad on Jeopardy? Your daughter watches in Jeopardy. In Portland, Oregon. I know. So now I can't like walk out of the room while she's watching Jeopardy because I have to ironically censor TV commercials for her much as my parents censored TV commercials for Budweiser when I was growing up. Man, I guess you got to get Hulu without the ads, man. It's an extra $3 a month. <laughs> but I'd so much rather her see the He Gets Us ads um, than a scary heavenornot.com ad. So I saw the one uh, over Christmas time about Jesus was born to a teen mother, and I thought, oh, that's cool. That's more like how I interact with these biblical stories. But then I thought about it, and I immediately started having a lot of questions pop up like why is this on my tv and more importantly who paid to put this on my tv turns out it's hobby lobby it's hobby lobby <laughs> yeah, this, and the, my suspicions intensified the same people who funded literally funded terrorists in the middle east like they funded islamic extremism in the middle east by purchasing religious artifacts that had been looted from destroyed religious sites. Uh, uh, in funding these terrorists, they also directly funded the genocide of primarily Christian minority ethnic groups in Iraq and Syria, as well as the sex trafficking of women and girls belonging to these groups. So yeah, they're, I guess they're not paying for terrorism anymore. Um, they're just paying millions and millions of dollars to put up TV ads for Jesus. Yeah, and like really millions of dollars. I've read in a couple different sources that it is a $100 million ad campaign. Jesus Christ, dude. Inc That's <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> including, <clears throat> including the Super Bowl ad. That There were two Super Bowl ads. There was a 30-second and a 60-second spot that aired during the Super Bowl. So I saw these ads, and I didn't hate the way that they were representing Jesus or the foundational stories of Christianity. But that 
alone, the fact that I didn't hate it was enough for me to go, hmm, what is this for, though? Who is the target audience of this? I've seen these ads portrayed as PR for Jesus, or as the Washington Post put it, to improve the image of Jesus, which just didn't feel, hmm. that felt like a non-answer to me for a lot of reasons, because I know that, like, as somebody who, like, somebody like me, I can see a representation of Jesus on TV that I like, but it doesn't move the needle for me. The, I, I can, it's seeing something that I generally think is okay, that doesn't make me more progressive, it doesn't make me more conservative, it doesn't inspire me to change my behavior. I just saw something that I thought was okay. And that's generally not the point of advertising. Generally, the point of advertising is to get someone to change their opinion in the case of political advertising or change their behavior in the world of commercial advertising. Oh, quit buying this product and buy this other product. So it's not going to make me change my opinion or my behavior. And then I thought about people who are very conservative who would see this ad and it's just going to make them mad. It's not going to move the needle for them either. It's not going to change their opinions or change their behavior. So who is it targeting? I, there was a thought in my mind, well, maybe it's targeting more centrist Christians and trying to get them to move more progressive. But that didn't that didn't make logical sense to me. Why would somebody be spending $100 million on that? So I looked up the, the He Gets Us website. They say, quote, Our agenda is to rediscover the love story of Jesus. Christians, non-Christians, and everybody in between, all of us. On the website, they call Jesus, quote, the most radical love activist and say that they want to move beyond the mess of our current cultural moment. Hmm, that's a dog, dog whistle. whistle. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's an article on the site about how Jesus supported women's equality, although uh, that article only discusses women that were personally involved in his ministry, such as Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary and Martha, and doesn't discuss women that actually had more power in the Bible, such as the Apostle Junia or Priscilla, etc. There's an article about how Jesus was a refugee. Both of those articles are broadly and generically accurate, although if they wanted to broaden it and talk about how the, the New Testament supported women's rights, there would they would have a lot more material there. So this just seems weird to me, because for, from what I can tell, it's not Jesus that people seem to really have a problem with. It's dip who use Jesus as their own and like their own persecution complex surrounding their religious beliefs as an excuse to go around and be horrible to people. I have yeah. I have another um, thought as to who these ads might be for. Is that these ads might actually be for secular liberal type people to try to remind them that because because when you were like as as a big city liberal growing up um in portland oregon in in the den of sin that is portland oregon when i heard somebody say christian values i knew what that was a dog whistle for and what it seems to me is that 
these ads might be for people like me growing up to say, well, when somebody says Christian values, they might not actually be talking about hating everybody. They might not actually be talking about trying to do culture war stuff and, and, uh, and eradicating transgenderism from the public sphere or whatever it is the conservatives are trying to do these days. But that brings up the same question of who's going to spend a hundred million dollars on that, because you've probably noticed that the evangelical Christians who have a lot of money tend to not be the super progressive ones. No, they really don't. There's pretty, there's so few of those that I can't name one. So, That is why, if you don't mind me using some Christianese, that these ads just didn't resonate with my spirit. Yeah, (laughs) good one. Um, It's, I mean, it's not a lot of people, though, because the whole PR for Jesus thing, that's so weird. That doesn't make sense either. It's not a lot of people that you, you go around finding saying, you know what? Jesus got what he deserved. In fact, I think they probably should have tortured him a bit more before they nail him up. Just, you know, really get the message through, really send the message to all these people. Just like, yeah, I've heard that very <laughs> few that? times. Oh, only... like edgy atheists, but yeah, <laughs> they're just, <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're saying that because they want to piss you off. Not because they actually right, they're believe saying that that's... to make a point. And like, they have every right to try to piss Christ- Christians off. Like, Whatever. I try not to, I really try not to get offended by stuff like that because I realize that that person is speaking their truth and expressing themselves and it's not really literal. It's, they're more speaking, speaking out against a system that they don't like and everybody has the right to do that. So the PR for Jesus explanation, it didn't hit for me either. And I kept seeing more of these ads. Actually, the first time I saw one, I thought it would be an ad for the uh, Portland rescue mission hmm. the one that's right down at the end of burnside right by the burnside bridge yeah I because know the one. they use well they have that same like black and yellow black and gold color scheme for a lot of their christmas ads so i thought it was a local thing and then i saw more and more of these ads and i started googling and i found out they were going to have a super bowl ad and this was national i went to the he gets us main page a few months ago when i first started seeing these and i didn't find the plan of salvation, which was interesting. And then there is a, what there is, is a text line where you can speak to a volunteer, kind of set up like a a crisis text line, but you know, for Jesus. I didn't archive the website and I wish I had, but around Christmas, I saw a different version of the website where you could click through to a list of churches that are aligned with He Gets Us. And I started looking up those churches, the ones that are local to me, it was not denominationally exclusive. Interesting. It was a lot of middle of the road, non-denominational evangelical churches, churches that appeared to be like liberal Baptist churches, like on the more conservative end of high church, like Lutherans or Episcopalians. It wasn't just one denomination. So by this point, I was really interesting. I was really interested. So a writer named Artemis Stardust, and if you don't know them, you should. You may have read their article, Made the Rounds a Whole Bunch. They wrote an article about growing up quiverful, 
where they had to, they were really parentified and had to take care of a lot of their younger siblings. And if you've spent time in any snarking group online, you've probably seen their article. They spent some time chatting with someone through the he gets us text line. They were really smart. They asked questions about how to deal with church abuse. And the person talking to them on the text chat line gave them scripture verses and an invocation to read their Bible and pray about church abuse. Oh, that's not great. Mm -hmm. Ryan Stoller, who is a child liberation theologian, I don't know what that is, but I am going to find out, chatted with someone while pretending to be a conservative mad about how he gets us is, you know, pandering to the wokes. Ryan got this answer while pretending to be outraged about he gets us supporting LGBTQ people and BLM. I'll read the quote. It would be our hope that all people, regardless of skin color or sexual orientation, come to know Christ and live in gospel community. Ultimately, to be transformed by the radical love of Christ is to live in close relationship with him which also means to abide by his word that we believe the Bible is clear about, speaking to several of the things that you just mentioned. Hmm. Interesting. So, it is not going to lead you to a website for conversion therapy by any means, but it might lead you to a church that quietly shuttles people off to conversion therapy. It is not going to lead you to a list these inclusive ads about how jesus understands everybody even lgbtq people is not going to take you to a list of affirming churches in your area and when you get all the way down to the bottom of it yes they do want you to quit being gay and go to jesus instead yeah and i had another thought about this yeah i think more than anything that the people behind these ads want viewers and the general public to be up in arms about them like it must be part of their strategy right because the, the premise of uh, is people are up in arms about xyz issue because they have ads about many different issues um that are like the controversial issues of the day uh mm -hmm. th their premise is people are up in arms about this issue just like people were up in arms in jesus's day and now we need Jesus more than ever. It's extremely circular logic because they make these ads and cause a controversy with these ads and then they swoop in and say, the solution to this controversy is the product that we're selling, which caused this controversy, which is Jesus. Right. <clears throat> but they're able to frame it as, oh, that was a different Jesus that caused the problem, but our Jesus will fix the problem, which is very ginger dugger. <laughs> Yeah. Extreme becoming free indeed vibes here. I wonder if you like clicked on the ad and, and you went to the website if they had uh John MacArthur's church as one of the He Gets Us churches. You know, I'm not sure. I would think that John MacArthur is too conservative to want to be involved with this, but I wish I had checked at the time. So I dug a little deeper into their exact stance on LGBTQ people, because I do feel like that's really important. Uh, if you Google what their stance is, you're going to get more of the same very vague language. This is a direct statement from Vanderground, the representative for He Gets Us, speaking to CNN. 
The debate over LGBTQ issues is a great example of how the real Jesus too often gets lost, overlooked, or distorted in debates over political and social issues. Our uh, focus is on helping people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Our focus is on helping people see and consider Jesus as he is shown in the Bible. He gets us and he loves us, and that includes people on all sides of these issues. Uh, that's a pretty milk toast, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, by the time I had seen this quote, I really felt like I knew where this was headed. They say it's about unity, but to me, this sounds like the kind of unity specifically that erases LGBTQ people's lived experiences and people of color's lived experiences of church hurt and uses them as props for showing how supposedly progressive their version of Jesus was. And like a good segment of the listeners of our podcast, I do want to believe in super progressive Jesus. I do want the church as a whole to embrace the types of beliefs that these commercials are pretending to support. But this is disingenuous. This is like the Jesus equivalent of greenwashing. Or it's the Jesus equivalent of like, you know, like being asked to forgive abusers. Um, and they're like, well, they're going to, well, you played a part in this too. And so we're mm -hmm. all just going to forgive each other and be friends again when there's been no real. Yeah. It, it, you cannot just say, oh, Jesus loves everybody on, on all sides when one side is trying to erase and criminalize the other side for their existence. Yeah. So this campaign, turns out, is funded by the Servant Foundation. We know that Hobby Lobby and Hobby Lobby's CEO are huge donors to the Servant Foundation. The Servant Foundation does not legally have to disclose who all of their individual donors are. But because of its legal status, it does have to disclose its other donations outside of He Gets Us. Of course, it turns out that multiple large donations were to organizations like the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is an anti-abortion and anti-LGBT group, as well as many other groups along the same lines, uh, several of which are designated as hate groups. Speaking of these ads being fake woke, um, to p pivot from that, I, the, the Christian influencers that I've seen talking about this on the internet hate these ads about as much as all my liberal friends hate these ads. Because all my liberal friends are like, a $20 million Super Bowl ad is not a good use of your money if you're a ministry because that amount of money could feed so many hungry people or pay to provide health care for so many people which is a completely valid point and then all of the evangelical influencers that i've seen are like how dare they try to make jesus appeal to the wokes trademark mm -hmm. <laughs> like and i think the ad campaign was intended to do that it was to irritate anybody who isn't on the less extreme side of christian evangelicalism I, I finally was able to dig in a little more into the who is this for bit, and I think they are really trying to reach people with one foot out of the evangelical church. People hmm. with marginal exposure to Christianity but who weren't raised in church. That's the target audience. It's people who are on the fence about their belief and want to reconcile Jesus with their 
social justice oriented beliefs. And it feels like a bait and switch. That I mean that's that's totally fair. They are not this this company he gets us is not who they are presenting themselves to be. I know I guess um for me also, growing up in Portland, Oregon, I didn't see a lot of people talking about Jesus to begin with. But then, you know, if, if you go on a road trip, you drive cross country or something, you drive through all of the parts of the country where they have the billboard that says, don't go to hell. <laughs> right. <laughs> it has a 1-800 number at the bottom. It's Yeah. So yeah. are these ads just a nicer, slicker way of delivering the same message? I guess. I don't know. I think that like I do think that there's a much more cost-effective way of sending that message. Like if you're a Christian ministry and you want to put it out there that you're really trying to do good works in the name of Jesus, when you put out an ad like at halftime at the Super Bowl or just blanket them on Reddit and YouTube and no matter how many fucking times I block the ad and send the feedback that says this ad is offensive to me, stop showing it to me. Like and I like block the account that's making the ads and that's posting these ads and then like i click the thing that says don't show me this ad again and they keep coming back and no matter how many times i do that and i say this ad like stop it they keep coming back like it leads me personally to feel like you know you know what like if jesus has enough money for a super bowl ad then he can pretty much that like that he can force me to have to listen to his whole spiel then he can't have been that big of a victim. You know what I'm saying? Like, clearly he doesn't need my help. <laughs> like, billionaires should not exist, and that includes Jesus. Okay, I can, I can accept that. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta put a thought together. Give me just a second. Do it. <laughs> it, it just occurred to me that another problematic, and this is my um, raised Christian bias on full display here go for it, it just occurred to me another problematic thing about these ads is that they are phrased and presented in such a way that is meant to say well nobody could possibly find this offensive we're saying we're we're not saying anything controversial we're not saying anything that attacks anybody how could anybody find this offensive why would anybody not want to see this during the super bowl like you know sure some some people don't like religion much but you know it's it's so unoffensive and i'm now realizing oh wait there's a lot of people in this country who follow a religion other than christianity yeah people forget that that we exist sometimes they, like it's just like the, it's very much just like the Christians in this country view themselves as the default. Yeah, well, that's the way that society was set up for a long time. Yeah. And it and it's it's now occurring to me again that oh, no, there are people who who just actually do not want to see this. Do you remember the episode of the Simpsons where Homer did the Super Bowl halftime show? And he did the Super Bowl halftime show and he got Ned Flanders to help him plan and it was all stories out of the Bible and right and then the like the people were like really pissed about it <laughs> <laughs> so, so literally the same thing literally the same thing simpsons predicted it again so my primary concern is that they're almost queer baiting in a way <laughs> okay hear me out 
They're portraying themselves through their ads as a safe and affirming place for LGBTQ people. And in reality, they are not that. And their agenda is to draw people that they believe are sinful into a church environment so that they will hopefully convert and give up their quote-unquote sins. I think the money that was spent on this is an extremely valid concern as well, because hundreds of millions of dollars, that probably could have permanently solved homelessness in one major city. These are the people, like, they say they're against socialist things like WIC and low-income housing and pre-K for everybody and that sort of thing, but how many single moms and their children could you have fed and housed for how many years with the money that was spent on the Super Bowl commercial alone? Like you say, yeah. you want you want people to not have abortions, which is going to lead to a lot of people raising children on their own in a single parent household. You say that you don't want the government giving out money to feed its citizens. You say that you don't support low-income housing. You say that you don't support uh, pre-K for everyone or free school meals. You don't like all of those things, but you still want people to have more children and not have access to abortion. But you spent $100 million on PR for Jesus instead of taking care of how many, how many single-parent families could have been fed and supported for 10 years on the amount of money that was spent on the Super Bowl commercial. I would just like to say that is the official stance of this podcast that Jesus needs to stop queer baiting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> started with the ads. I'm telling you. Started with the ads. <laughs> now he's got a purple undercut and a septum ring. Won't stop blasting the new 100 Gex album. It's just gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not, not going to respond to that because I would, <laughs> not, I would be in trouble. I don't know. Can maybe I say, oh. can I say can I say it for that? I gave it all to you. Yeah, uh, it's the official stance of this podcast that Jesus. Well, here's the thing: is that I'm yeah, I'm going to bleep that for anybody who wasn't. <laughs> for anybody who isn't who, who isn't uh, giving us a lot of money. Um, <laughs> maybe like i don't know maybe we don't want to join the the like the the jesus stop queer baiting mob because you know what's going to happen is tiktok's going to cyber bully jesus and he's going to come out as bisexual that's what's going to happen yeah i mean <laughs> and that's the, like forcing anybody to come out is <laughs> anything to do we certainly don't want to do it to half of the podcast's lord and savior <laughs> this is gone this episode's gone I, long i can't enough. say My our lord and savior because you don't claim that Oh, hell no. You don't I, want him. Absolutely. No, thank you. Which um, means that I get twice the Jesus, which you get, you get is, all the, that's good with me. Look, I feel I, like we've got a good system going here. Well, when we first started doing the podcast, I would say like that, and you would just get real uncomfortable on the other end. It was <laughs> like... <laughs> well, I've just had to learn like what my line, what my personal line is as far as blasphemy or, uh, you know, your hatred of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> I mean that dude things. that dude killed hella people. Like that's kind of yeah. fucked up. Like if I said A Cab includes the Apostle Paul, you know, I mean like I well, I, I mean I, I agree with what? you could say A Cab includes Saul because that was his name before he became the Apostle Paul. Yeah, but what are we gonna do? Like a Kobe Bryant change your jersey number situation and like he's fine now? 
Like that's kind of what he did. Yeah, that's yeah. fucked up. That's kind of fucked up, man. <laughs> you can't just like he did. He's like, I changed my jer-. like. Um, I'm not. You a know he- what we need to do? We need to have a whole episode where I just tell you the story of the Apostle Paul. We should maybe do like two or three on the New Testament and spread them out over time so that people don't get bored. But we need to do one where I tell you the story of the Apostle Paul, because that that story is wild. Like he fell off a horse and then some scales grew over his eyes and he saw God and God told him to get his act together and quit killing people. Wait, like scales like like for weighing shit or scales like for like a lizard? Like a lizard, like like um cataracts. Oh, so he just had like temporarily blinded. Oh no, he just and stared in the guy, sun he, for too long. He got a sunburn. He got or he right. got like plaque psoriasis or something on his face. And right, and then this guy healed him, and the scales fell off his eyes, and then he wasn't blind anymore. And then he traveled all over places. He got in a shit ton of shipwrecks. One time he was preaching a sermon and it was really boring and a guy was sitting like on a windowsill at the place where he was preaching and the guy fell out of the windowsill and died and he had to heal him back to life. Wait, Paul healed people back to life? Yeah, a bunch of the apostles did. Wait, so the dude fell and that like, how like how dead was he? Was he just like unconscious or was he- He was like, mostly dead. <laughs> see, like you're either 100% dead or you're not dead. That's the dealio, man. Like if you're- That's not what the Princess Bride taught me. It's true. And the fun beast. No, the I, I mean, Bride. scripture says he was dead. Thank you for subscribing was... to our Patreon. This episode is like, it's got to come to an Thank end. Thank you for subscribing. <laughs> My voice is so tired. I'm, I have like. I hope that's on I gave it all. Okay. We need to, we need to go to here and finish this. Yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for uh, listening to this episode. Oh, hold uh, on. I need to like, I need to like sew up the he gets us thing. Do it. Okay. So this was a very brief conversation about he gets us let me assure you we are going to do a deep dive on hobby lobby probably coming up in the fall since we have most of our summer content planned out already i promise that we're going to revisit this topic we wanted to just talk about the facts that are the the parts of this ad campaign that are accidentally woke purposely fake woke etc i just want to assure people that we'll come back to this in more detail in a later episode (laughs) I don't know. That brings up a whole another conversation that we do not have time for today about what displays of Christianity are appropriate in the public eye. Because, I mean, the president still takes the oath of office on a Bible. And I think that's that ends our episode. Next week is our Q&A episode. And that's going to be a lot of fun. We have a lot of episodes that are sent or a lot of questions that were sent in by listeners that we think are really good and we can't wait to answer. We also have some questions that Sadie and I want to ask to each other that I don't think we've answered on the podcast. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. And we can't wait to share those guys with you. Um, So I guess it'll be a little twist on that. And if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show, you can join our uh, Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash Eden Exodus. You can join our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. And there is a very extended version of today's episode on the Patreon where we make fun of Bethany Beal's playlists, uh, (laughs) her general taste in music, as well as other things. Um, and and go on an ex- the, probably the longest rabbit trail that is the least related to the episode of Leaving Eden History. 
yes that's true um thank you guys so much for tuning in um we do love you guys so much and we do really appreciate you guys for listening to our show um especially when we go in these long episodes um you can follow our podcast on social media our facebook and instagram and uh tiktok is leaving eden podcast on twitter it is at leaving eden pod sadie your socials you can follow me on instagram at sadie carpenter music on twitter at hell yeah sadie and on tiktok at sadie carpenter one and you can follow me on facebook instagram and twitter at g-a-b-r-i-e-l-h-a-c-o-h-e-n thank you guys so much for tuning in you guys have a great day bye-bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.